Jesus, uh, like always, I, I need you. Holy Spirit, fill my mouth with the right words that I would say what the Father would have me say. And uh, I would ask that even if I say something you don't want me to, that nobody would hear it, that they'd only hear the truth from you. So speak the truth in love, uh, Holy Spirit, so everybody might uh, be drawn a little closer this morning. Pray it all in your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, I was thinking um, that what God has in store for me is often a lot more than what I actually get. And what I mean by that is the things that I choose to do are often not the things that God would have me do. And therefore, I reap the harvest of of my own plan instead of God's plan. Which, um, just to be clear, anytime I go and do things my way, it's always less than what I would have if I did it God's way. Always less. So when we think about our lives and ourselves here on this earth, we, we know that we have a kingdom. And maybe the kingdom is just you. Or maybe it's larger than that. And maybe you are a leader of men and women and boys and girls and who knows what else. But you have a kingdom. And with that a kingdom comes the responsibility of reigning over that kingdom. That means that you're responsible and will be held accountable for how you reign in your own life and in the lives of those that are in your kingdom. God will hold you accountable. He will hold me accountable for what I do with his stuff. So I was thinking about that and uh, thinking about many of the ways that we do things that are not, uh, oh, that's good. Hang on just a second here. This will get better. Or not. Okay. So, an old story that you all know well that I talk about a lot. Adam and Eve, book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. You, you know this story, the, the fall, what brought the curse. Um, and I don't really want to look at, at that so much today. I want to look at what happened next. So in verse 7, In the eyes of both of them were opened. They realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So this morning, remember how I said we're talking about things that we do our own way that are not God's way. And as a result, we reap less than what God has in store for us. And and this is the first thing that we do. When we choose a path other than the path that God has chosen, the first step that we tend to do is cover. So Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree. Their eyes were opened. They realized they were naked. Have you ever had that moment? You're in the shower. You're changing your clothes. You're somewhere not fully covered. And the door opens and, ah, I'm naked. That's what Adam and Eve experienced here. They hadn't experienced that before. You know the funny moves we do when we realize we're naked in front of people? You know that kind of cover-up thing? That's what they did. They covered. Um, 
And it was at that moment that they first realized they were naked. So you grab a towel or you jump behind the door or you try to wrap yourself up so nobody can see you. And Adam and Eve had a plan. They went camo. They sewed leaves together and made camo clothing for themselves to try to cover up. So the first response we do when we choose something other than God's plan for us is we try to cover it up. Then in verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This was part of their normal daily practice. In the uh, cool of the day, God would go walk with Adam and Eve. And that's what God went to do today, take a walk with Adam and Eve. But because Adam and Eve were covering, they did this second response, which is try to hide. So they hid in the trees from God. From God Almighty, the Creator of all things, who knows all things, and is everywhere. And they tried to hide in the bushes from God. Now, so just like we talked before, you know what it's like to cover when, when you realize you're naked. Uh, you also understand what it's like to hide. So, something happened. You did something. And our next move is to try to hide. At work. In the kitchen. In the garage. Somewhere else. At church. We can hide in all sorts of places. So that the people that we should be having a conversation and addressing an issue with, we instead are hiding from them. Um, If all else fails and there's no place to hide, we throw out something like, leave me alone. We hide in plain sight, right? But we won't address it. It's kind of like... When somebody comes in the bathroom and, the, and you're naked and they see you, it's like you close your eyes. If you don't see them there, then they won't see you, right? And that's kind of what this second thing is of hiding. We, we, try, to, we try to hide. And third, um, wait a minute. Yep, yeah, there we go. Verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So, when they couldn't cover, hiding behind their leaves... And they couldn't hide to get away from God. And they were finally confronted, forced to confront the thing they had done. What do they do? Blame somebody else. Um, Interesting. God, do you think God knew where they were at when they were hiding? Where are you? You see the heart of God. We think that God has his hands on his hip, pointing his finger, saying, Adam and Eve, get out from behind the bush. But he doesn't. He invites them into a relationship. Where are you? He knew. And then he asked the next question. Who who told you that you were naked? 
You think he didn't know they ate from the from the tree? Of course he knew. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to? It's very important for us to understand and know the heart of God. Our enemy wants to always convince us that God is overbearing, thumping you in the chest, scolding you like an earthly father would scold you. And that's not the heart of God. You can see the heart of God right here. He's engaging with the man and woman who just betrayed him. With the man and woman who didn't believe what God said was true was true, who went their own way, and here we see God coming to them and interacting with them. And so, to Adam, what have you done? Have you eaten? And Adam's response is, Eve, you know, God, the woman that you gave me, she caused me to sin. So Adam says it's Eve's fault. Um, And really, it's not just Eve's fault. It's really God's fault. Because who gave Adam Eve? God, you made her. You did this, God. It's really on you. Isn't it, God? And so then what was Eve's response? Well, don't blame me. The deceiver, he he lied to me. He lied to me. I, I can't. He deceived me. And I ate. So then we go on. We won't read the verses, but you know, God reveals the curse that comes on the earth because of this fall. And so... The serpent, Satan, he he got a curse, and he deserved it, right? Satan was evil. He deserves the curse he got. Adam got cursed. Why? Because Adam sinned. Eve was deceived. Adam sinned. Adam deserved it too. But Eve, shouldn't she get a pass? She was tricked. And and Adam didn't do his part. Adam was given to Eve. Eve was given to Adam as a helper. She was to help Adam and Adam was to, to provide and protect her. And Adam didn't do it. He when, when the serpent was busy deceiving Eve, where was Adam? Right there. He was right beside her. He didn't do what he should have done. So surely Eve should get a pass. Don't you think? Wouldn't that be fair? But God didn't give her a pass. She was cursed just like Adam was. Why? Even though her husband let her her down and didn't do what he was supposed to. And even though the serpent deceived her and did a good job of that. The issue with Eve is the same as the issue with Adam. At the end of it, Eve didn't believe God. She chose something other than what God had for her, even though other people were complicit in her sin. She wasn't on her own, and other people contributed to it, but God still held her accountable for that. Because Eve still has her connection to God. You see, women, your connection to God is not through your husband. And men, your connection to God is not through your wives. We have this relationship of husband and wife that we're there for each other to serve a purpose and a need in each other's lives. But you don't get to turn to your spouse and say, I sinned because of them. They made me do it. 
And you also don't get to pull Flip Wilson from the 70s and say the devil made me do it. Not Not an okay excuse with God. Because each one of us has a relationship with God. One on one. And uh, she, Eve just didn't let go of her husband. She also let go of God. So God held her accountable for that. So um, many times in my life and in your life, I'm on the path of doing the right thing. And, you know, it's hard to do the right thing, isn't it? And it can become a burden to do the right thing. And at some point, I get to the end and I say, you know, it's my turn. I'm going to get mine. I'm tired of doing everything for everybody else. I'm going to get what I deserve. Ever been there? I think we all have. That's where Adam and Eve were at, right? I'm tired of not eating that tree. I want what that has. God's holding out on me. I'll have more life if I eat from that tree. There's something there that God doesn't want me to have, and I'm going to find out what it is. So I've I've been good. I've been trying it His way, and I just need a little more. It's my turn. So just like Adam and Eve, I take a turn and choose to do what I want to do. To not believe God when He tells me what to do. I go and do my own thing. And then, just like Adam and Eve, what do I do? Well, first, try to cover it up. Remove all traces, wipe the evidence. Nobody will know. Nobody will see. It's okay. And if that doesn't work, I go to step two, which is hiding. Right? I'm going to be busy. I'm going to be gone. By the time I come back, they'll forget I've done it. Time heals all wounds, or at least for old people, time makes us forget things that happen. So if I just stay gone long enough, nobody will remember it, and it'll be okay. Then if that doesn't work, blame shift. It's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's your fault. Um, So, do you see yourself in this? Maybe it's just me. See, it's, it's one thing for us to choose things other than what God has for us and then receive less than that. But then this is like piling on. And after I make the wrong choice, then I follow that up with a series of wrong choices, making it even worse. It's kind of like trying to eat your way out of being fat. That doesn't work, does it? If I get rid of this whole pan of brownies, then I won't eat any more brownies. It doesn't work. And this covering, hiding, and blaming doesn't work. It leaves us right back where we're at. Where do you think Adam and Eve would be today if their hiding, covering, and blaming worked? Stuck. God wouldn't let it work. Now... The thing is, we all have situations, issues, relationships that are trouble. They are real, and they cause us uh, pain and hurt. The wounds of our past, the way people treat us today, the situation we find ourselves in, but none of them are a legitimate reason or a legitimate thing 
to let me not do what God thinks is best for me. Did you hear that? None of those problems or issues in my life are a legitimate reason for me not to be obedient to God. Now, look, I'm with you. I agree. Put me in Eve's position. Adam's supposed to protect me. He doesn't do it. God's supposed to protect me from the deceiver. He doesn't do it. I'm left there helpless with, with nobody to stand up for me. I get tricked, hoodwinked, and all of a sudden I fall into sin. You do the same thing, right? So even though we have compassion for each other and we can relate to each other, it doesn't mean it's okay. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted, be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I know the situations that you find yourself in are different than the situations I find myself in. The circumstances are different. But the temptation is the same. It's common. All of us. Every one of us is tempted. So, it's kind of like when things are going bad. Our first attempt, at least, is to try to change the situation. Right? You irritate me, and when you speak to me, then I act hateful to you. What's the easiest remedy for that situation? I'll avoid you. Boy, that'll fix it, won't it? No more problem. But it doesn't work, does it? Because there's temptation is common to all of us. And we can, we can run and hide from the temptation too. Um, God is faithful. He won't let us be tempted beyond what you can bear. Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, were not tempted beyond what they could bear. They caved, but it wasn't because the temptation was stronger than they could, they could deal with. When you are tempted, He will provide a way out so that you can endure it. So these situations we find ourselves in, and we think, I have to do this. This is the only answer. No, it's not. There's a different approach. There's doing what God has in store for you to do. Um, Just like Adam and Eve, when we are tempted, God is pursuing us. He is there. Uh, We sang a song just a little bit ago about Jonah. Wherever I run, God is still there. He hasn't left us ever. Whether, whether we have fallen into something or whether we are running into something, God is there. God is calling. He wants relationship with you. Where are you? What have you done? So I, I think we need a different approach. I think covering it up, hiding and blaming others doesn't work I think we need to do something a little different so you can't cover it up the leaves aren't sufficient right? I can put camel on I can put a smile on my face I can wear a mask it just doesn't work I can't put a shirt over dirty skin 
and be clean. So it's kind of like we think of covering as putting something on as a mask, but I, I think the word might be a little more inclined to like what we use it today. I got this covered. I can handle this. I got it. No, you don't. You chose to do something that was not God's plan for you. And you don't have it covered. You don't have a remedy to solve that problem. There's nothing you can do to undo what you've done. Nothing. I don't have it covered. And you don't have it covered. Only Jesus can cover it. Only by the blood of Jesus can our sin be covered. Um, So, trying to hide it, cover it up, mask it. Okay, you women probably won't relate to this, but many of you men will. You've been working, and you smell, and now you have to go someplace, but you don't have time to take a shower, so you change your clothes and squirt some perfume on. So you won't smell? That doesn't work. Right? I know we all try it, but it doesn't work. I just stink and smell like cologne at the same time now. It's the same way with my sin. I I can try to do some good thing. I can put on a white robe over the mess I've made. It doesn't work. Only Jesus and, you know, there's this thing God gives us that's called free will. And God honors that free will. God never forces you to do something. He gives you the option to. And so here we are. We've gone on the wrong path, done the wrong thing. The remedy is the covering of Jesus Christ. And even at that moment, God gives us the free will to choose come to Jesus with it or not so rather than cover it up here's what I say lay it open wide I did this I know for many we have such a strong history and we've become so talented at covering things up that we think it's working but it's not working And I would offer you, rather than cover it up, don't cover it up. Don't cover it up. Acknowledge what you've done. I did it. I don't know where Lana and I heard this or learned it, but many years ago, we stopped having our children apologize to each other. You know, to say, I'm sorry. We we stopped doing that. Instead, we made them confess to each other. Which is totally different than apologizing, right? I took your doll. It's much different than I'm sorry. Right? And confession is what is what we must do. When we've gone the wrong path, we've done the thing that we wanted to do rather than what God had in store for us, the first step is to confess. I did it. And I'm going to tell you, the more you look at yourself and examine yourself and get to the root of what you really did, the more honest and revealing the confession is, 
I stole the candy bar. All right, that's a good start. Why did you steal the candy bar? Because I didn't think you'd provide for me, God. So I provided for myself. See how as we get more and more closer to the heart of what we really did? The true unbelief. God, I, I didn't think you would provide for me. So I provided for myself. Step one, don't cover it up. Open it up and reveal it. Step two, after you've brought everything into the open, then have the conversations you need to have. So you've admitted it to yourself and to God. (laughs) Now chances are, when you're doing things that God would not have you do, other people are caught in the wake of what you've done living in the consequences of your actions. And I know it's much better to hide and pretend that it didn't happen and that it wasn't wrong and that it really didn't have any impact on anybody. But if you really want to have what God has in store for you, have the hard conversation. Go to the person you wronged and say, I wronged you. Now, before you go to step two too much, you can't just cherry pick because we've got to do step three as well, which is take responsibility for your sin and stop blaming others for what you've done wrong. You see, if you go to someone and have the conversation that, remember the other day when you said such and such? Well, when you said such and such, it really made me mad, so I said such and such back to you. That's not it. That's not the conversation you need to have. The conversation you need to have is, you know the other day, I lost my temper. I did not love you. And I said, whatever I said. And stop there. No rationalization. No blame shifting. No dragging somebody else into it. Well, you know, when I was a kid around my house, we learned to express our feelings by punching the sheetrock. And so, you know, for 50 years I've been punching the sheetrock, so I don't really like to punch the sheetrock, but I can't help myself when I lose my temper, so I just punch the sheetrock. So I'm sorry for punching the sheetrock. Is that as hollow for you as it is for me? Right? All I said was I'm not responsible for what I did, which is the exact opposite thing that I need to do. I did that. My response, my responsibility. It's on me. Were there, were there temptations? Were there circumstances? Was there a situation? Of course. I steal this every chance I get because I like it so much. It's from Emerson Egridge in his Love and Respect series. He talks about a grain of sand. And a grain of sand is an irritant, right? It's in sandpaper. So when that grain of sand gets in my eye, it causes irritation in my eye, and my eye turns all bloody and red, and eventually it will get infected. And if I don't do something about the grain of sand in my eye, eventually I'll go blind. Now that grain of sand, that same grain of sand, when it gets inside of an oyster, it irritates the oyster, just like it irritates the eyeball. 
But the oyster generates a secretion around that to cover and protect that piece of sand, and eventually it turns into a pearl. So the same grain of sand that causes blindness in the eyeball causes a pearl to be created in an oyster. It's not about the sand. It's about the character that's being irritated. So when the irritation comes into my life and I go blind over it, it's not the sand, it's me. It's you. So I have to take responsibility for my own character, my own actions, my own responses. Of course there are reasons that cause you to do what you did. Of course there are. Otherwise you wouldn't have done it. But they're not excuses or legitimate uh, causes. See, the thing is, if I tell you, when I was a boy, I was abused. And I was neglected. And so now I'm, I'm grown up and I abuse and neglect. You might say that's a terrible story and you might empathize with me. And you'd be right. And maybe we'd say, you know, Tony, if I was raised the way you were raised, I'd probably do the same thing. But that's no excuse, is it? Um, It's on me because the point is, no matter what circumstances led to this moment in time, the issue is, I let go of God. And when I let go of God... My response needs to be something like this. Don't cover it up. Don't hide. Don't blame somebody else. Instead, acknowledge what I've done. Uh, Confess to God. Make amends, corrections with anybody I've offended. And own what I did. Take full responsibility for it. See, on the other hand of this is fear, shame, and insecurity. The wounding of your past is real. Um, I know. Fear, shame, and insecurity. What is the way back to God instead of fear, shame, and insecurity? Well, it always begins with grace. Because God will forgive. You mean God will forgive me? For years and years of abuse I've inflicted on somebody? Yes. You mean God can forgive me for this sin that I do habitually and have for years? Yes. It's exactly what I mean. Bring your fear, shame, and insecurity into the light. Now, I know this is scary. You know, you've, you've got many years invested in covering and hiding and blaming someone else. I get it. I do too. But as we bring the light of God into those dark, shadowy places of our hearts, the grace of God is an incredible thing. So some of you right now, are ready to make a change. And you don't want to cover, hide, and blame someone else. And I'm with you. I don't want to live that way either. And so we need each other to do this. In James it says that if we confess our sins to one another, 
we will be healed. And I've asked this question many times of you. What's the one thing you don't want anyone to know about you? That's a great place to start with this. What is it? I'm telling you to find a brother and sister in Christ, someone you can trust, and tell them what it is. Bring the light of God to the fear, shame, and insecurity you have because of your past. And you will be healed. The grace of God is sufficient. It will cover it, and you'll have a new day. I dare you. Do it. Now, others of you here are saying, I'm not ready to do that yet. I'm, I'm not ready to expose what I'm hiding, covering, and blaming others for. And I understand. Because I spent many years in that camp too. And I just want to tell you, you, you can continue on that path. God will allow it every moment for you to stay in that path. But you will continue to reap what you're sowing. Which is fear, shame, and insecurity. It will continue to produce a bumper crop. And so someday, when you've had enough fear, shame, and insecurity, I want you to remember this. For that day. And know that there is a better way. And that when you are ready, we're here. God is here. Because the answer is, you screwed up your life. Right? That's why Jesus had to come. You made a mess of things. Now, some of you are not fully aware that you have made a mess of things. But you have. And when you become aware of that and realize that you're living in the consequences of that mess, and the consequences of that mess are greatly a great reduction from what God has planned for you, and you want something different, then hear this. I made a mess of my life too. And it is only by the grace of Jesus Christ that I'm able to have life and freedom. And that is the offer from Jesus is life and freedom. And when you're ready for that, Jesus is ready too. It's available. Just know, if you're not ready today, there is a better way. And it's available through Jesus Christ. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're here to help. You see, we think, I thought, when I told somebody the deepest, darkest secrets of my life, my fear was, is that they would leave me. And you know, I've never seen that happen. You know what I've, what I've always experienced every time I've been a part of one of these things? The other person says something to the effect of this. Me too. Me too. You're not alone. You have not screwed your world up like you think you've screwed it up so much differently than everybody else. There's no temptation except what is common to man. Each one of us has done the same thing. So, the invitation from Jesus is this. 
Come and find grace. Come and find forgiveness. Come and find life. Come and find what God has in store for you that is so much greater than what you've been experiencing.